My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, friends. Welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other. It is Masters Week and this tradition is called Fairway Roll. It is the new golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. This podcast is brought to us by our good friends at Callaway Golf, who have taken the triple track golf ball invented for 2019 alignment aids taken to a brand new level and phil mickelson won the 2019 at&t pebble beach program with the chrome soft x triple track golf ball you people ask how do we get these callaway answer the chrome soft x golf balls with triple track technology hitting stores on april the 19th 2019 But we have important matters on hand, my birdie buddies, my par-saving pals. This is the Wednesday before the Thursday that kicks off the Masters Tournament. And we are here to help you navigate the choppy waters of your Masters pools, your Masters Calcutta, your Masters DFS lineup, your Masters betting card, your Masters allocation of capital we have on board today, Justin Ray from the 15th Club. He is an incredible data and analytics golf guru we have from Golf Digest. Joel Beal, who is going to walk us through some delicious Masters props. And of course, our beloved, our own Harry Gagnon from Against All Odds, the degenerate trifecta. Harry and I are going to give out our final Epic flash picks of the week and try and give out a couple winners. 
The first tee is open. Let's go over there and see if Justin Ray will hit off with us. Oh, please. Now on the tee, Justin Ray. All right, my birdie buddies, my par-saving pals, my eagle enthusiasts. It is the day before the Masters, which means it is numbers crunching time. It is nut crunching time. It is put up or shut up time for your Masters pools, your Masters Calcutta, your DFS lineups, your gambling cards, your allocation of capital and mine. So we need, my friends, a true data and analytics heavyweight to help us with this heavy lift. Our guest today fits that bill. He spent seven years as a sports researcher at ESPN, covering a whole variety of sports, including, during his tenure, the assignment as chief researcher for the Scott Van Pelt radio show, which means he survived Ryan Rosillo's giant pythons. More recently, this gentleman spent five years at the Golf Channel, spearheading their research and analytics that made all of those guys on Golf Central and Live From look smart. If you want to know who to blame for Brandel Chambly coming out with all of that data, all of those analytics and, and making everybody else look dumb, this dude is to blame. He is the new director of content at the golf analytics and player performance firm, the 15th Club. Justin Ray, welcome to the show. That's a hell of an introduction, and don't don't put that weight on me being responsible for everything Randall said. I love the guy, but I mean, no one deserves that burden. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and look, I I meant it as as a compliment more than anything because Brandel uh, was kind way. of been taking that way. And, an early adopter of the data and analytics driven approach to to performance, and you know, I've always been impressed by his. Uh, faculty with and facility with the, the history of, of uh, you know, different aspects of the game. And he has that appetite. Um, let's start with that. Your experience at the Golf Channel. How did you um, find your way there and kind of build out that, that uh, analytics set for those folks? Yeah. So you mentioned I was at ESPN for seven years. I, I got a job in the research department there right out of school um, and worked on some golf um, in addition to Sports Center, and then I was happy enough to be on. Uh, I was the Scott Van Pelt show researcher for a couple of years, and I don't know how anyone could possibly have more fun in a professional setting than I did. Just go to work every day, talk about sports, and laugh your ass off. I mean, it was amazing. So, um, but I got to do a lot of golf there. Um, and when Golf Channel wanted to kind of, you know, beef up what their what their research department capabilities were, they um, they reached out to me five ish so years ago. Um, and I was able to, you know, just continue what I was doing for all sports at ESPN, but do it at Golf Channel. Um, and that afforded me the opportunity to work with people like like Brandel, like David Duvall, like Frank Nabolo, um, all the guys you see on live from. Um, great crew. Um, working with Randall is it's a great experience. I mean, nobody is more prepared and works harder at what they do, takes their craft more seriously. Um, and he's a hell of a guy to do good things with, too. So, um, you know, it's... it's it was a great five years there, but um, this opportunity during 15 Club was was pretty unprecedented, and I get to move back to Austin, Texas. I get to leave Orlando, Florida, so 
that's always a, that's always a big plus. I mean, you can head home and go to a place like Austin. So um, yeah, yeah, you're, you're yeah, originally so from Texas, right? I am. I'm originally from Houston, um, and then uh, I went to Austin in 2011 when ESPN launched Longhorn Network. Um, so I was still able to. I was working in TV there, and then in the, in the summer, there's no college sports, obviously, so I was able to work with like US Open, Open Championship, and that stuff. But in 2011, when I was like 25, 26 years old, they were like, do you want a promotion, and do you want to get out of the snow and move to Austin? Yep, going to do that. So that's how, I got to, <laughs> that's how I got to Austin, Texas, and then uh, eventually went to Golf Channel. So that was a very long-winded way of explaining that, but um, that's kind of how I... I kind of saw there was a, a niche and need at ESPN in the research department to specialize in golf. I mean, I was into everything. You know, I'm a human NBA league pass junkie. I, you know, I'm a huge Houston Astros fan. I watch every college football NFL game. You know, I'm, I'm just a all across the board sports nut, but I love golf too. And I've been able to kind of make a career out of it. Yeah. Well, your love of golf has been uh, evident. And I, I was introduced to you by way of your Twitter feed, um, which was uh, indispensable during the, the, the shack house podcast run, uh, when I get together with Jeff Shackelford and we would, you know, go back and forth around, you know, various events and who we liked each week, I would always consult, you know, where you were that week in terms of, you know, your own, uh, data set, the analytics that you were looking at, uh, and you were interested in. Now I want to talk very briefly about the 15th club, before we turn our heads to the to the heavy lifting of of, of today, um, it's a very recent move. You just uh, jumped over to the fifteenth club in like March, right? Yeah, it's been less than two months. Um, last show of Golf Channel was very beginning of March, right before the Arnold Palmer invitation. And uh, what is the fifteenth club? What is it all about? I know its reputation is helping the European team with the Ryder Cup. Um, I'm willing to hold my nose. That was a big uh, one. Yeah, that was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm willing to hold my nose because you're going to help us pick the Masters winner here today. So we can. You, I don't mind that that uh, uh, reputation of the 15th club. But what is the 15th club all about? One, I wasn't. I wasn't there. In a, in a, <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't working there yet when they helped Europe. So don't fair point. Yet, but that fair is, point. Fair <laughs> point. Um, so 15th club is. Uh, we're a data analytics company. Um, it started um, in the realm of soccer, um, in European soccer, the 21st club, 20 clubs in the Premier League. If that's incorrect, please don't hammer down on me, soccer fans, because it's not my, not my thing. But um, there's a company called the 21st Club that did a similar type of thing, consulting with uh, soccer teams across Europe, um, providing analytics. And then they, about five years or so ago, uh, dove headfirst into the golf side of things. And now we've got a stable of players that we, because um, we provide analysis and like course setup information and advise them on how to plan their schedules so they can succeed. Um, and players like, like Rory McIlroy is the biggest name that I'm privileged right. to say um, is, is in our stable of players that, that we work with. And there's a whole bunch of other guys too. Um, and when they brought me on, you know, they had an idea of expanding their reach in media. And um, they have a, we have a couple of agreements with like Sky Sports, which is basically ESPN in the UK. Um, the European tour, and we've got a bunch more on the horizon. I wish I could say, but I can't yet because the ink's not dry yet. But, ah. um, basically, we and we provide content for like Sky Sports. Like I was on site at um, in Austin at the Dell Match Play a couple weeks back. Um, you know, providing them with analysis, graphics, notes, information, all the good stuff that 
is synonymous with what I do on Twitter, um, but we do it in a TV format. So we're expanding our reach there. Uh, we do the player consultancy side. Um, we got our hands on a lot of different stuff, and it's really exciting because it's. You know, I've only worked for like giant monolithic media companies. I only worked right. for Disney and, and Comcast. Yeah, so it's so, something that's new and kind of agile, and you can be part of something. Not at the very beginning, obviously, because they've established themselves and done some really great things before I got here. But the ability to kind of go in lockstep with them as they turn a corner and grow into something that I think is going to be great. Um, it was a really appealing move for me. So. Um, I'm fired up to be part of it, and we've got a lot of big stuff on the horizon. And I wish I could shout everything that I know that we're doing, but um, I gotta kind of keep it. I gotta kind of keep it low key for now. But guarantee yeah. you're gonna see our name bigger and more prominent and in more places here in the next few months. Uh, all in good time. And all <laughs> I would do is uh, recommend to to all our our par saving pals out there. If you want to get a taste, if you want the flavor, sign up for the newsletter It's published at least three times a week. Is it published more than three times a week? Well, this week for the masters we're doing. So we have something every Monday, um, Sunday night, Monday morning, um, the 10 best notes to know from that week in golf and coming up, uh, in the next week's tournament, we're going to do yeah. that for every single night during the masters. Week. There's going to be one after every round, um, oh, instead wow. of just one for the week. Yeah, so That's we're kind of on overdrive this week. We had a big, um, I had a big uh, preview article where I went through my Masters Strokes Game database that goes back through every round throughout the history of the Masters. And we put that article up on Monday. Um, Tuesday, we put up a more of like a comprehensive Masters preview. And then uh, today, Wednesday, we've got uh, a roundtable discussion of me and a couple of the other analysts talking about what goes into making a Masters winner and we all make our picks. And, you know, you've got two guys who, I mean, I know my stuff. These other two guys are, they're, they're phenomenal at what they do. And, you know, I, I take a back seat to them when it comes to hardcore player analysis and, and data and stuff. So, um, be sure uh, to check that out. 15 club.com. Yeah, that's right. And, and, uh, right. All three of those newsletters available there. And, uh, you, you, you can track Justin on his Twitter feed, or you can just listen to this podcast like you're doing right that's now true, yeah. and get a bunch <laughs> of these nuggets because, we are going to turn our attention here and see if we can't give some good guidance to everybody uh, on this Wednesday as they try and sit down and map out their game plan, their their scoring cards, uh, and 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 perhaps uh, you know spread out a couple dollars on on a couple names out there. So just to start with, um, I want to uh, kind of have a, a couple benchmarks. Um, so in the in the first place, the beauty of the Masters is you know the year over year playing the same venue um, with you know very little change other than the sort of the tiger proofing effect that came in um, after you know the first half dozen of his um, great performances there from the late nineties into the mid two thousands and then occasional like you know one or two holes that that um it seems like the trend has been lengthening like this year we know the fifth hole has 50 yards uh, added to it but for the purposes of evaluating year over year success wait wait which hole did you say the hole you mentioned five now that's longer it's an absolute monster now oh i i mean i i expect you know uh, the the stroke average for that's going to be like four point seven or something would be my guess. I mean, it's it's going to like your 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 Larry Mises and your you know Marco Mirez. I, I fear for for their their scores on those holes. DJ and Gary Woodland will be okay, but the 
you, you Mike Williams of the world, it's going to be it's going to be a tough go this week on that hole. Well, that that helps um, with with a starting point here because there's a whole bunch of folks in the Masters field that we could just eliminately uh, uh, immediately eliminate. We could just cross them off the list. There are, I think, the field this year is 86 or 87, uh, and you know, n- nearly half of those folks you can just cross off because they fit sort of. Um, you know they're honor they're honorariums. You know they're 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 playing yeah. because of of past achievements, and it is part of the the class of Augusta to continue to to permit that they reward amateurs who play in a, in a whole variety of different events that have achieved some acclaim. But that means that the field that we're looking at um, it it helps us focus a little bit. So in terms of of benchmarks for winners at the Masters, I want to start with. What does history tell us? Well, when you look at world rankings, since 1986, the average Masters winner is ranked about 15.5. And across the four majors, that's by far the, the best ranking, the lowest number. The other three majors, it's between 24 and 37 is the average world ranking um, since they started the world ranking in 86. Seven straight Masters champions have been ranked inside the top 25. So a lot of, some of that has to do with the fact that it's a smaller field and the fact that you mentioned that you know, there's 87 players in the field this week. You've got, you know, a dozen or so past champions who, like you said, are there on basically an honorary basis, which is which is great. But then, you know, that's your field down to 75 you could win. Okay, and then you've got, um, you know, the Latin American Amateur Champion and the U.S. Amateur Champion, the U.S. Amateur Runner Up, and like Victor Hovland, the U.S. Amateur Champ, is going to be a really good player. He's really good at Oklahoma State, but he's a 21 year old amateur. I mean, it's, it, the likelihood of him contending is really, really slim. So you get to you take off those numbers of people and you get less randomness in terms of who can win because you know, it, it yields a higher ranked player winning simply because of math, really. Like, it, there's almost no way that it wouldn't happen that way. Um, the other thing, too, is that you know, experience really pays at the Masters. There's only been one player making their debut in the last 80 years that's won the tournament. And that was Fuzzy Zeller in 1979. So it's a venue where, because you go there year after year, like you said, it's the only major championship venue where you see the same. It's the same course year after year. Take the PGA Championship in comparison. You know, Bell Reeve and Best Page are two. There's almost no similarities between those two courses, except for you know a couple of really long par fives. I mean, you don't have that problem with the Masters. You can take experience year to year and knowing the nuances and contours of the greens and where to miss in fairways and where to leave putts short. You know, stuff like that's pretty important. Um, the other thing I want. I, you know, success form for a player's season going in is pretty important. Um, since 2000, about 60% of Masters winners had already won that season on the PGA or European Tour. So if you've got a player like your defending champion this year, uh, Patrick Reed, putted the eyes out of it last year, chipped beautifully, ball striking was above average. He just really hasn't struck the ball well this year, doesn't have a lot of high finishes, hasn't won since Masters, obviously. You know, it's got to take that into consideration when you're looking for a winner. So he's someone I would kind of steer away from. But if you're just looking at like things like world ranking, you know, the average age of a Masters winner ranges between 31 and 32, depending on no matter how far you go back, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, it's about the same range. So um, you're looking at you know the typical world ranking and age and experience level of some of the best players in the world. Yeah, so uh, with that starting point, we've basically taken a field – of 87 and whittled it down 
to about 20, between 20 and 25 legit candidates to win this thing. Now, one aspect of this particular Masters that's so intriguing is that it feels like in that um, 20 to 25 range of eligible players to win, it really could be any one of those 20 to 25 because all of the best players in the game are playing pretty good right now. The only guy yeah. that we have, you know, a real question about is Jordan Spieth, but he has an unprecedented record at um at at Augusta. His his experience so far at Augusta rivals that of Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus, right? He has the single greatest start to a Masters career in the history of the tournament. Through 20 rounds of his Masters career, he has more strokes gained than anybody in history. Like he's, he's first in strokes gained per round in Masters history. Ben Hogan is second, and Tiger Woods is third. So that's your guy with your question mark among the like 30 best players in the world. If you, you can make a case that almost any of those guys can win, and then the guy you have a question about in the form, you look at and you're like, He's the best performer, literally, in the history of the Masters so far in his career. So, yeah, what Jordan's now, I say first 20 rounds, Jack and Tiger both played as amateurs, and Jordan did. So it's a little a little bit skewed in that sense that they played before they had turned professional, but Jordan really didn't have a chance to play as an amateur because he won in the future until he was 19. So yeah. and I feel like it kind of balances itself out there. So, um, yeah, it, it, like you said, I mean, I go through, uh, I've got a list of all these different players and reasons why they could win, why I like them, and I, I just kept going. Like when I was preparing for, for the Masters this week, there's so many guys who win, and that's what makes this year so intriguing. Yeah, this is the challenge for you and I, and we're going to try <laughs> and do our best for all the faithful listeners of the show to give out. We're going to try and whittle it down from 22 or 23 or 24. We'll try and give out four or five different names and there'll be different sort of like categories, like a couple guys I'm going to, I feel strongly about that. I'm going to play as a, as top 20 picks and some guys I'm going to definitely play in a top 10 capacity. And then I have a handful of folks that I have in mind as potential winners. Um, you mentioned strokes gained. I want to talk to you. So we've talked about kind of the historical antecedent, what you want out of, um, you know, a, a player's profile in terms of their world ranking um, and their maturity and their experience at Augusta. Let's talk a little bit about performance measures. Um, based on, on your work, um, what have you observed in terms of the most important performance measures coming into to, uh, Augusta? So we've got uh, shot length type data giving you strokes gained off the tee, approach, around the green, and putting at Augusta National for four years. So it's not the length of time we have with the regular shot link data on the PGA Tour, but it's at least enough to where you can glean some conclusions and answer some of those questions. And, yeah, and, and just, just years, yeah, for, for, for the purposes of uh, folks that may not um, have done any kind of deep dive in a deep dive into strokes gained or what shot link is, sh sh shot link. I know what I think. It, 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 it's a camera, essentially. It's human beings on holes capturing data, including some um, camera tracking uh, of um, actual, you know, where players are hitting from and the and the results of of their strokes. Is that basically right? Correct. Yeah. And what it, what it basically tells you is that every shot that anyone hits during a tournament on the golf course is measured specifically. So. 
you know, a player has a putt from eight feet, nine inches away or 14 feet, seven inches away, whatever that might be. They have specific distances of all the shots. So that that way you can come up with and categorize. You think baseball has a lot of statistics, but golf, there's like no limit to the amount of ways they can chop up the information. Like I do it for a living and I still stumble over stuff every day that I hadn't found out before. So they've got tons of information. What's most important though, find the stuff that matters the most and how does it relate the most to listeners to make a pick. And that's the plan here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so let's kind of like rank the, you know, three or four or five different categories that are most important for success at Augusta national. And we'll work backwards. You know, these are all important. We, we're, we've set aside the unimportant ones. Here are the four or five most important ones. Um, starting with kind of the least important to the very most important, but what with the idea that they're all important, what we're going to talk about next. So, what, so what what what's kind of uh, a starting point here? All right. So from the bottom, uh, working my way up to the most important, um, I'd say like performance off the tee is not necessarily the most significant thing to look at when you want to pick a Masters winner. You know, um, distance is going to put players obviously in a more advantageous position, especially this week. They've got a lot of rain at Augusta National that lengthens out the golf course. Rory McIlroy fans, very excited to see rain because, as we know, he's won major championships, Keel Island, Congressional, uh, his Open Championship, Valhalla. It was raining the whole time. So distance is good. It helps you out, um, but it's not necessarily the most important thing in the world. Um, and driving accuracy is really not significant at all at Augusta National. Year after year, this course ranks as one of the least penalizing places in golf to miss fairways. And when you think about it, that's probably a good reason why Phil Mickelson's had a ton of success there. Tigers had a ton of success there. You can miss wildly off the tee. And I know year after year, and you'll, you'll see this watching the Masters this week, you can miss so badly at Augusta that you're in a good spot because you're in another fairway and you can just carry your approach shot over trees or something like that. That's one of the reasons why accuracy isn't very important. But um, I do think that if the course is wet, and it's going to be, the green's going to be receptive, obviously, which is good for scoring. But I think it puts guys who are shorter players like Molinari, like Matt Kuchar, it puts them at a disadvantage. You know, They're going to need to hit more longer iron shots than your you know, guys like Justin Thomas or Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy. So I'd rank that, the performance off the tee, so significant, it's the least of the four or five that we're going to mention here. Great. All right. Next. Hit me. Course history. Experience, like I said, it really pays off at Augusta National. Like we were talking about, it's the only major venue, obviously, we go to every single year. You can draw upon past performance a little bit more than others. You can see correlations year after year, and it gives you a pretty good idea of who's going to be successful. Um, and seemingly every year, if you think about it, somebody like Fred Couples or Earnhardt Langer contend, you know, somebody who's, you have no reason to expect anything from them coming out, coming into the week, but that past experience, that course knowledge, that wisdom garnered through decades of performing on this golf course, there is value there. So we we've seen, did, didn't Larry Mize make the cut the past couple of years? He, Larry Mize has made two of the last four cuts, which, it, it, which is incredible. I have a crazy Larry Mize that, so I, I didn't think I'd say that sentence out loud to another human being, but uh, <laughs> Larry Mize has made the cut two of the last four years, despite the fact that in that span, he's lost 42 shots to the field, Tita Green. It's an incomprehensible amount of, of struggles, Tita Green, but he's chipped and putted so ridiculously, he's made the cut twice in that span. So yeah, yes, exactly. the, the old guys can, you, you hit a few good shots, you make some putts, 
You know, Bernard Langer was tied for third going into the final round in 2016. Like, you know, it was it, no one expected him to get to the finish line. He ended up finishing, I think he shot 79 on Sunday. But, you know, guys like that, we'll, we'll see somebody pop up every year, every other year, who basically is completely going off of experience, and it's valued that much at Augusta National. Okay, so we have performance off the tee, course history. What's next? This seems obvious, but you've got to perform on the par fives. The average winner since 2000 in Augusta has been about eight and a half, eight and a half shots under par for the week on the par fives. Um, mm. And since Tiger won back in 1997, those two back nine par fives, 13 and 15, have been the most telling in terms of strokes gained uh, by winners compared to the field. Um, those are the two holes that have been the most vital coming down the stretch um, if you're going to win the championship. So um, you've got to take advantage of those par fives, especially if the greens are receptive and scoring is going to be, I think there's, you know, we'll probably see a, a 13, 14 under par, something around that range win this week. If the course remains, you know, the, the, there's been a lot of rain so far, so I think that's going to definitely be a factor, but you've got to take advantage of the par five. All of okay. those pale in comparison, they, they're important. They're not nearly as important as what I think is the most significant stat going into the Masters, and that's strokes gained approach. That's players and their iron play. Um, okay. So the strokes gained data has been there for four years. Um, the strokes gained approach leaders at the Masters, those, those four years, have finished first, first, second, and third. I mean, it is by far the most telling thing. I mean, I know that people think that, you know, when Jordan Spieth won the Masters in 2015, yeah, he putted brilliantly. He was also by far the best iron player in the field that week. In 2015, Dustin Johnson led the field in strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained putting, and he finished nine shots behind Jordan Speed. <laughs> so that, for the purposes of, of our uh, folks that might not be devotees of, of the data uh, uh, and analytics approach, um, speaking of approach, what does strokes gained approach refer to? What, what particular skill set are we describing to folks? You're talking about your shots going into green. So basically, your six, seven, eight, nine irons, and how close you get them to the pin from the fairway or the rough. Um, you've always heard, we've always heard for years, second shot golf course is Augusta National, right? There yeah, it is. So you, that's the exact exemplification of it. That's what it means. It means they, they've, they've hit the ball either in the fairway or not in the fairway, and we've established that you can hit the ball maybe not in the fairway and still get away with it. But the crucial yeah. skill... The most critical skill that a player who's going to be successful at Augusta National must possess is that uh, approach. And the strokes gained approach metric measures uh, a player versus everybody else in the field over the course of the event. So when we say first, first, second, and third, am I getting this right, Justin? We're talking about how that player performed relative to the field uh, in that particular skill set. Correct. So 2015, Jordan Spieth was the best iron player in the field. He won the tournament. 2016, Danny Willett was the best iron player in the field, won the tournament. 2017, Justin Rose was second in the field at strokes and approach, i.e. iron play, lost in a playoff. And then last year, again, it was Jordan Spieth who finished third and nearly a crazy Sunday, nearly getting into a playoff against Patrick Reed. Yeah, he was threatening the course record down there. perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, okay, so we've established that, that criteria uh, as, as kind of the, the, the key elements of, you know, trying to, to separate, you know, among 20-some guys 
um, you know, trying to pick a handful that we we could uh, agree on, perhaps as 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 contenders for the title here. I sent you a few names in a few different categories because uh, organizationally, I I like the idea of looking at some some folks that are kind of in the twenty range in the official world golf rankings. And that um, their odds, their betting odds to win the tournament, are kind of make them longer shots. So the folks that 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 I sent to you were names like Mark Leishman and uh, Sergio Garcia and Patrick Cantlay. Is there anything about those three guys that kind of jumps off the page at you and and makes you uh, interested in in them as as potential contenders this week? Definitely can't let. I thought he was really interesting, especially I saw him at 60 to 1. Um, really good iron player. He's top 20 on tour in greens and regulation. He's 10th in strokes gain total, which strokes gain total is a more complete way to evaluate scoring average. It's basically, scoring average on steroids, the way to deduce who's, who's performing really well. But uh, one thing I am a little wary of is that he's never broken 70 in six career rounds at Augusta. Um, he's getting more accustomed to the big stage. He's got two top 10s. In WGC events this season, one in China, one in Mexico. Um, so Patrick Cantlay is pretty interesting, and I could see him. I could see him contending. Um, so Sergio is really interesting too to me. Most of the attention on Garcia this year has been for the stuff that wasn't golf related, like his his disagreement with Kuchar and Austin, yeah. and him him going insane in the bunker in Saudi Arabia. And right. It's overshadowed the fact that he's actually played some really good golf. He's got five top tens and nine starts this year. You know, he's eighth on tour this season, strokes gain approach, that number I talked about. Um, you know, he had the really bad hole last year uh, out of the gates and just kind of derailed his, his master's defense. But, you know, he's playing some pretty good golf, and there's some value there in, in that pick. I have one suit that's a little bit lower than your 50-1, to 60-1 you were talking about. Way off the board. The guy who won last week in San Antonio, Corey Connors. Um, wow. He... Yeah, so he. this is the toughest course on tour, statistically, to get it close from 125 to 200 yards. And that's what Connors is absolutely the best at. And he's third on tour in greens and regulation, seventh in strokes gain approach. He had missed a bunch of cuts before he won in San Antonio, so he's not a guy that was under anyone's radar. He's still a little bit deeper. His iron play numbers are outstanding. This is a world-class ball striker. And I think there's value in the fact that he played here before in 2015. I believe he was an amateur then. Um, so he's not, I don't think he's going to be as spooked and wow, I can't believe I'm here. He's, he's got a little bit of something to draw back on. So I saw him at two fifty to one and you know, uh, he's probably not going to win. I won't say that, but he fits the profile in terms of, uh, ball striking characteristics of somebody who could contend this week. Well, you know, what's wonderful. And I'm, I'm pulling up my, uh, my uh, numbers machine here right, right away. You know what I'm in a hurry to see is his top. 20 odds because i'm sure that they are plus odds right you're going to get a good number for him to finish top 20 and the other thing i like quite a bit about a player like that is i love to play this multiplayer it's very dumb everybody knows how dumb this is (laughs) i love to assemble six or eight players together and 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 do a parlay of all of them to make the cut and oh yeah you know 
you, I take four guys that are, you know, absolute favorites that have incredible track records, four or five guys that, that are, you know, are just flat out not going to miss the cut. It would be a, a real aberration for them to miss the cut. But then to try and get the odds closer to my favor, I try and find some folks with kind of less experience or, you know, a reason for Vegas or the, or the market makers to perhaps be asleep on them and try and build something where it's a little, I can get myself into some healthy two to one odds on the whole parlay or three to one odds. Even this Corey Connors angle is delightful. He's exactly the kind of guy <laughs> that I'm looking for for my make the cut parlay. I'll put him right on the, at the back end of it. Now I'm scrolling down here on the top 20. Let me see what kind of odds we can get for Corey Connors to finish in the top 20. I'm still scrolling, Justin. Boy, oh boy, we're going far down here. There he, oh boy. I mean, six he might be qualified one. to get into the field in San Antonio, and then he won. I mean, he's got to be, what, 6,500 in Daily Fantasy if you need somebody to round out your six. I mean, um, you know, there you, you, can, go. you can spend a little more on the big dog, and, and you can save a little bit there because of the advanced numbers say that this is a guy who could have success this week. I love it. And he's plus 600 as a top 20. That's six to one odds for him to finish inside the top 20. This is a glorious nugget for everybody out there. Okay. So that's kind of our longer shot uh, field. Let's talk about some folks that are like kind of in the 20 to 30, 35 to one uh, kind of range. And I'm talking about names like uh, Bryson uh, DeChambeau and Hideki and Kucher, Matt Kucher all of whom are kind of in the, a class of, of 30 to 1 or, or maybe a little bit higher. Yeah, so I really like Hideki Matsuyama this week. I think he's being totally overlooked. Um, he's finally healthy. His wrist is back in shape. He has four straight top 20s in the Masters. He's second this season on tour in strokes gained approach. He's third in strokes gained tee to green. His ball striking is just absolutely fantastic. He's fourth in strokes gained tee to green at the Masters the last four years. It's only McElroy, Rose, and Casey who are better in that statistic. Um, he's going to put himself in position enough times. The only question is, can he make enough putts to, to contend? He's near the bottom of the tour. He's 180th this season in strokes game putting. But if he, he's going to put himself in position with his, un, his awesome iron play many, many times. Just can he get those putts to fall? Um, yeah, like I said about Kucher, I'm a little worried. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to make the observation that we know from, from Augusta, you don't have to be the best putter on tour to have uh, success there, you, what you need is experience on on the greens at Augusta. That's more important than being an, a, an objectively great putter, right? We've we've seen that out of some of these winners in the past. Yeah, that's spot on. And Kadecki's, I mean, he played in the tournament as an amateur for winning the Asia Pacific Amateur Championship, I think twice. Um, he's got a wealth of experience there at Augusta, um, and he's, he's played great there the last few years. You know, I, I mean, a lot a lot gets made of. You know the pressure of trying to become the first major champion, men's major champion from Japan. Um, but Hideki's got the he's got the game to do it, and I think it's only a matter of time before he breaks through in a major. I wouldn't be shocked if he did it this week. I, I, I'm there with you, and he's ex- exactly the odds I like. I cut you off. You were going to tell us a, a concern about Kucher. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So with the rain they're getting this week, you know, Kucher isn't. He's not, he's not really short, but he's on the lower end of elite players in terms of distance, so I'm a little bit worried about him if the course is lengthened by the rain. But his iron play this year has been awesome as well. So um, that's kind of a give and take with Matt Kuchar. I'm going to avoid him because of the wet weather, but okay. um, you can certainly make a case for him with how well his iron, irons have been. So one guy in this group that I really like that you didn't mention is Xander Shoffley. Um, yeah, 13th interesting. 13th, 
Yeah, yeah. I think everyone needs to definitely keep an eye on him. Top 15 strokes gain approach. He's fourth in strokes gain total. Many of his metrics say that he's performed better than people may think. Um, mm-hmm. I also have been kicking this thought around. You know, no one is going to confuse Maui with Georgia, um, but the elevated um, uneven lies that you get at Kapalua, which is where Xander won earlier this year, he shot 62 in the final round, lit it up and won. I think you're going to you, They're very similar to a lot of the iron shots you see at Augusta National with the balls above or beneath your feet. So I think there might be a little bit of a correlation there. He's also a really aggressive player, so I could see him with a handful of eagle putt opportunities this week. I think there's a lot of value there in Xander. Um, we we know Xander loves a big stage too, right? I mean, his his victory, he's got a WGC under his belt already. He's got the Tournament of Champions under his belt, and he's got the Tour Championship under his belt. And, and he was you know on the stage in majors last year, right? He's played like seven majors, and he's finished in the top six in three of them. I mean, he's he's a guy kind of like Kepka that seems to rise to the occasion and play a little bit better than than he does you know regularly in those big events. So I like yeah. Xander a lot this week. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on. Um, Bryson okay. is interesting to me. Bryson's interesting. You know, he <laughs> I, I thought this note was kind of interesting. Two of the last three winners of the Dubai Desert Classic went on to win the Masters later that year. Danny Willett did it, and then Sergio did it in 2017. Um, wow. Bryson blew the field away in that tournament this year. Bryson has been above average on approach shots this year, but not elite. Um, he gains the lion's share of his strokes off the tee. Um, I, I'm a little, I kind of shy away from him a little bit. He's never had a top 10 in a major championship, which seems hard to believe because he's, you know, he seems like he's on the leaderboard every week and he's up in the top 10 of the world now. Um, but he's a guy with limitless talent who played really well in the Masters and Amateurs. So um, if you're looking in that range, though, uh, Hideki and Lambert, you guys I really like. I love I love it. Okay, now let's start talking about some genuine contenders um, that fit both the public's eye and, and our own uh, review and, and analytics here. I have uh, you know uh, John Rahm and and Justin Thomas and Tommy Fleetwood all available. It seems right around twenty to one, and that feels like maybe a, a little bit of value for for those guys and the pedigree that they bring to the table this week. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, Thomas is another guy whose iron play is, is super elite. He's fourth on tour in strokes gained approach. Like I'm saying, that's the most reliable correlating stat going into the Masters. He leads the tour in birdie average, makes a zillion of them. My only question for him is, can he avoid the big numbers? You know, last year, he made eight double bogeys or worse in the major championships. Um, if he can avoid those big numbers, I mean, there's no question in my mind he has the ability to contend, but he's just got to not... You know, kind of like Ricky did earlier in his career, he'd have a propensity to make a seven or an eight at a, a moment when you really didn't need to do that. If JT can avoid the big numbers, he can contend. Always won the Masters, making more than one double bogey in I think it's almost forty years. So that's key for him. Um, John Rahm was absolutely fantastic last year off the tee. Um, I think he finished finished fourth um, in the tournament, but only Bubba gained more strokes than John off the tee last year at the Masters. And he was fifth in the field in strokes game putting last year. Think of John Rahm, you think of his ball striking and him crushing it off the tee, but he putted absolutely fantastic last year. If he doesn't open with 75, that big slow start that he had last year, I mean, a better start this this week is going to be definitely really important to success. Um, One category with Rahm that fits one of the metrics you identified, I think he was 11 under on the par fives last year, right? Yes, he, he was outstanding on the par fives. Um, he was able to take advantage of his distance then. He's able to do that, and his iron performance is a little bit better 
um, than it was at the Masters last year. Then and he's a guy. Who's, I, I love how we keep going through and all these names. I feel like I say, oh, I could definitely see him winning and him winning. So hopefully we whittle down like some of them. But um, you know, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, another guy, like we said about Xander, loves the big stage, whether it's the U.S. Open or the Ryder Cup, where he was awesome. Um, he's another guy like Rom, uh, like Bryson. He gains more of his strokes week to week on his tee shots. Um, uh-huh. not as much so on his pro shot. So, okay. I mean, those type of players, I tend to, I tend to just veer a little bit more towards the guys who are really elite iron players at Gus national. Um, yes. Fleetwood, you've seen how great he's been at the U S open, you know, awesome short game, able to crush the ball off the tee, take advantage of his distance. Um, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he succeeded this week, but you know, I, I tend to steer towards guys who gain more of their strokes on approach shots. And then there's I one guy it. who's in this 20-to-1, 30-to-1 range that you didn't mention who I really like, and that's Paul Casey. Um, ah. One of the most consistent performers at the Masters in recent years. Um, it, every stat I come up with last four or five years at the Masters, Paul Casey is like second or third or first, whether it's birdies or score to par or scoring average or greens and regulation. Um, he's third in strokes gained TD Green here the last four years. Um, the only thing I'm wary of with Casey um, he was first two years ago in strokes gain approach, 11th last season. Right now he's 40th. So that's dipped a little bit, but his iron play obviously was fantastic when he won the Valspar Championship on a difficult golf course. Um, I, I like Casey not as much as Thomas, but I do like him a little bit more than Rahm and Fleetwood if you're looking at guys in that range. Yeah, and with Casey for me is a guy that I'm going to include in like my uh, may, maybe a top 10, a little speculative wager in the top 10 category, and I'll definitely have them in that make-the-cut parlay. I just don't know about um, – yeah, that, that Valspar victory did help flip the script a little bit about him and what, what he's comfortable with psychologically in terms of winning because he, he has not shown a great propensity to uh, you know be on a leaderboard and then close out – a tournament, you know, the top of the leaderboard, and then turn out a ter- close out a tournament. But you can't argue with that performance and with those metrics that you just mentioned. Closing acumen, like you said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on him to win, but I think a top yeah. ten is that's a pretty solid bet. All right, we like that a lot. All right, let's let's get heavy. I mean, let's just go in here at at the heavyweights now. Uh, I have three, you know, kind of four favorites. We're not going to have this podcast and not discuss Eldrick. Tiger Woods. Let's do him uh, right this second. What what what's your sentiment? What's your feeling right now about what he's capable of this week? I think anytime Tiger Woods is upright and functioning, he has a chance to win at Augusta <laughs> National. Um, and more so than that, like he hasn't had the close calls in the win this season like he had last year, where he almost won Valspar before the Masters, and then obviously went on to win the Tour Championship, nearly won the Open. He hasn't had those moments yet this year, but his strokes game numbers, his metrics are really comparable to last season. Um, he's fourth on tour this year in greens and regulation. He's in the top 20 in strokes gained approach, which is really, really good. He's sixth in strokes gained total this season. He was fifth last season. So his numbers are really comparable to what he was doing last year when he contended at the last two majors of the year and then won the tour championship. Um, you know, he's got the best scoring average in the history of the Masters when guys play 25 rounds or more, you know. Um, yeah, there's nothing that's he good. hasn't done on. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Um, I think that's good. <laughs> so there's, there's nothing he can't, you can't, he hasn't achieved, um, out of Augusta national. Um, I will say age isn't necessarily on his side. I mean, if he wins this week, 
I thought this was surprising. He'd be the oldest Masters winner since Jack in 1986. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, we're sneaking up on 43 and change now. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's not as frequent it's going to happen. I will say, though, with the way players know more about their swings and bodies and stuff, those age records in the next 20 years are all going to be destroyed. So, um, yeah, I will say, though, I know he hasn't. People might think he's fallen off this season, but, man, his numbers – if you look a little bit deeper into them, they're still really good and they're really close to what they were a year ago. I'm I'm thrilled to hear it. I'm always glass glass half full when it comes to Tiger. I'm a Tiger truther, an admitted Tiger Tiger truther. So I he I I'm not going to put in a, a dance card that doesn't have him some form you know way or another. Now I don't I'm not going to um, gamble on him to win because the odds are just too terrible right now. But, uh, you know, we'll see about live betting once this thing gets going. If he comes out of the gate like a little slow, maybe not, um, you know, threatening the leaderboard right away, but he's definitely going to make the cut. I, that That's when the odds might go from they're right now in like the 14 to one range or so. If you can get me a yeah. little tiger action up in the in the low 20s, then I start to get a little interested. And let's just see what he can do on a on a Masters Saturday, Justin Ray. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Hey, 11 top fives and 19 masters starts to grow. I mean, that's better than 500. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> first of all, and, yeah. you know, maybe if you, see, if you see him in a top 10, top five with some value. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why Tiger wouldn't you? Masters. Why so wouldn't crazy. you? <laughs> all right. That's it. That's what we do. That's the whole point. All right. Let's, let's get into these, these big dogs. We got Rory. We got DJ. We got Justin Rose. All three can win. Obviously, there's nothing uh, uh, skill-wise that is going to you know get in their way, impede their ability to go out and grab it. Nobody would be surprised if any one of these three gentlemen are slipping on the green jacket. How are you and I going to split some hairs here right now and try and give out some good guidance as between these three dudes? I think the favorite has to be Rory McIlroy. He hasn't finished worse than six this year in a stroke play tournament. Um, his numbers are through the roof across the board. Um, I was at the match play a couple of weeks ago, and Paul McGinley, the former European Ryder Cup captain, who's known Rory basically his whole life, told me that he's never seen his game look more complete than it does now. Um, he's the only player to finish in the top 10 at the Masters each of the last five years. He's by far the best player stroke scheme tee to green at the Masters the last four years. Um, he's the best player on tour tee to green. It's not even close. Um, he's, man, he's come so close a handful of times now. I really thought last year paired with Patrick Reed that he was going to come out and light it up and complete the Grand Slam, but you just look at all those different factors going into it, and I, I have to put Rory McIlroy first if you're looking among his favorites. The other two guys, though, look, Justin Rose has done, he's done everything you can do with the Masters except win. He's second all-time in strokes game per round among players to not win the Masters. Um, and Dustin Johnson's been much better here than in recent years. He was, I think, his first 18 rounds of his Masters career, he was 12 over. He's 17 under at the Masters since 2015. And, you know, Dustin Johnson, really underrated putter, I think. I don't think people give him enough credit um, on the greens. He's in the top five in strokes game, putting at the Masters the last few years. Um, but, man, I, I got to put Rory ahead of those other two. Okay. I look, he, he is the odds on favorite Vegas agrees with you the betting public agrees with you I my only knock on Rory is the scar tissue you know we, we just I yeah. I, I uh, indulge in the pop psychology a little bit 
and wonder, you know, he had the tournament. He was standing on the tee at 3.25 p.m. this time a year ago. You mentioned it, I, you know, mano y mano with uh, uh, Patrick R- R- Reed. And the first thing Rory does is pump one that damn near into the into the parking lot. So I, I, we, 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 I think we as golf fans are rooting for Rory. The career Grand Slam fits him. It fits his career. It fits the success, the transcendental kind of success that he's, he's shown us since he was a teenager. But, you know, he's got some damage when it comes to Augusta. And, and it just is a the, you just wonder, um, is he going to be able to get out of his own head? Now, the, the success at the Players Championship really, you know, should be a positive sign in, in that direction. Um, the way he bore down after making bogey in the final round on the 14th hole at the players, he came right back with a birdie on the 15th hole. And the 15th hole is no pushover uh, down there at TPC Sawgrass and then finished it out with a, another birdie at um, uh, 16. And that that was, the, you know, the pathway to victory. So, you know, if in, and we we heard all of this, the the, the uh, talk about where his head is at, the positive thinking, the pressure that he's taken off of himself. Maybe this will be the one Justin Ray could be, right? Yeah, and I will say about scar tissue and Rory McIlroy. I mean, in 2011, and he, he on the 10th, 11th tee, and he led the Masters with seven, eight holes to go. It all fell apart, obviously. You know, he hit that shot into the trees. Um, you know, disaster of an afternoon. The next major he played, he went to congressional and won by eight shots. So he's got, he's got, I know it's not, it's not Augusta, it's not the same thing, but he does have things in his career where he's been able to rebound from catastrophe and major championships and respond in a really positive way. I feel like there was a, there was an element of that at the players. You remember going into that day, um, there was a number I probably proliferated everywhere about his inability to close in the previous few years when he was in this position. And it, he came through and did it. I just, it just feels different this year. Rory just feels like a different player. And you match that up with all the different advanced numbers and metrics and stuff. And Dan, he's, he's my favorite. And I think he's going to do it this week and complete the Grand Slam. Well, if, if the only way you're going to get, it's the same conversation we just had about Tiger. Now I'm rooting for Rory to shoot, you know, just one or two under each day. Uh, Thursday and Friday to get his odds in in alignment with what I need in terms of a little <laughs> bit of value. I can't can't put anything on him at seven to one. That's, there's no return there. But um, yeah, I, I I love it, and it would be a really cool story in a season of of really cool stories. Justin Ray, what an incredible conversation folks i can't encourage you enough if you haven't signed up to the 15th club you need the newsletter you need this information every day this week as you prepare yourself to watch the masters and then they're going to give you breakdowns after each round that i i'm I, as a consumer of the 15th club i didn't know that was coming up i'm very excited for this and then you can follow justin ray what's the twitter handle uh at justin ray golf at justin ray golf Pay attention to the Twitter. He's giving out nuggets on there. Justin Ray, thank you so much for coming on. You must come on again. I'm insisting right now. Please. (laughs) Yeah, man. I'd love to. I had a blast. That's awesome. Thank you very much, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Best of luck. All right, brother. Enjoy the Masters. All right. My enormous thanks to Justin Ray. We have Joel Beal coming up next. But first, a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. The first major of the year is coming up, as in tomorrow. 
DraftKings has $4 million up for grabs, which means there's no better time to try one week fantasy golf at DraftKings. One week fantasy golf at DraftKings is easy to play. Just pick six golfers before the tournament tees off, like today, and then rack up points for birdies, finishing position, and more. All you have to do is take what Justin Ray just taught you and stick that into one of these beautiful lineups. Plus, to celebrate golf's first major, DraftKings is offering a money-back guarantee. Just enter the code FAIRWAY during sign-up to play for the $1 million top prize risk-free. If you don't win money in your first contest, you might not win the million, but if you don't win any money at all, DraftKings will give you your money back. Download the DraftKings app or go to DraftKings.com for tee-off on Thursday, April the 11th, tomorrow, and select your golfers. You just heard Justin Ray give out a bunch of golfers. Use code FAIRWAY and sign up to play risk-free in your first contest. And be sure to enter the Fantasy Golf Millionaire for a shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code FAIRWAY to play risk-free in your first contest only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Refunds will be processed by April the 16th. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Do you own dress socks? Do they often roll down to your ankles? Well, Pierre Henry... A Harvard-based startup that is revolutionizing the dress sock industry makes comfortable socks that actually stay up. I have them on my feet right now, and they are up around my calves where I put them on this morning. It is midday. They haven't moved uh, an iota. They haven't moved a millimeter. These cool socks come in several trendy designs and have over 700 five-star reviews. When I get on there, it'll be 701 five-star reviews. As a special offer for Fairway Rolling listeners, y'all can get 20% off any order when you visit www.phsocks.com and use the coupon code FAIRWAY. That's www.phsocks.com, code Fairway. Or please, now on the tee, Joel Bill. All right, my birdie buddies, this Masters gambling preview would not be complete without. Uh, a quick tour of the props that are available. We are trying to prepare you for the perfect menu, the perfect recommendation on how to allocate your capital. We have one of my favorite purveyors of the props when it comes to golf. I I read his column religiously. It's always one I look forward to. It is, uh, we we have on the line, Joel Beal, golfdigest.com. Uh, there are always the Masters really gets you know the the market rolling in terms of the the American sporting public. We have in our rearview mirror the the NCAA tournament. March Madness is over. It is April, and it's time for 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 all, all of our uh, 
our, our gambling needs to be met by, by the Masters. We, we go roll right from March Madness into the Masters. I know that you have taken a look at some props out there. Um, all right, let, let, let's go ahead and give out some winners because this is what we, we'd like to do here at Fairway Rolling. We'd like to give out winners. Um, let's run through some of these props. And, and uh, you have a good track record, Joel Beal, so not too much, I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but let, let's, let's get out a couple winners here. So for me, uh, the first guy that really pops out is Justin Rose, and the prop is, will he finish in the top 10? This is the guy who every time he tees it up at Augusta National feels like he's competing the green jacket. Uh, I think in his last eight times at Augusta National, I think he has six top 10. So the fact that the number one player in the world, I think he's at plus 115 to hit this mark. So the guy who's, I'm double checking right now, yep, six, four times, excuse me, in the last seven tries, he's finished in the top 10. And playing the best golf of his career right now. Uh, he, he's someone who's finished second at this event twice. He's come really, really close a couple other weeks coming into the event. So he's feeling hot. History shows you that they have a little bit of momentum coming into the Masters to contend. A lot of the guys in the top 10 right now, really, besides Rory and DJ, aren't really coming in hot. So I think the number of contenders this year really vying for the green jacket is, is smaller than years past. So it's Justin Rose for plus 115 to just get a top 10 i think that's the easiest one on the board that's incredible i can't believe that he is available at plus odds for that top 10 finish you just went through it his, his uh string of top 10s is, is Im- impeccable and so it feels like that that's a terrific value play f- from my perspective plus odds for justin rose to finish in the top 10 and 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 you know the thing that that uh jumps out at me about justin rose he is he uses so much of the season. He's he is tiger-like in this way. He got his win out of the way at a at a you know uh, a a very established you know um, credentialed venue like like Tory. And now uh, you know he, he's just sort of been biding his time. But he always comes roaring in, uh, not roaring like a tiger, but comes roaring into the <laughs> Masters. And man, uh, yeah, I I love that one. Um, okay, so that's one winner. Let's 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 keep this going. Another one that uh, kind of jumps out at me is this is a big one, but will Tiger Woods make the cut? And no is plus four fifty. I actually, oh, no. it's funny. A lot of people are down on Tiger right now. He, he, it's the ancillary stats actually say he's coming in well. I think he's eighth in strokes strokes gained. He's third in greens and regulation. But man. The way the public is going, they really think Tiger is going to contend. I think he's in like third or fourth in terms of in terms of figures right now. So to a plus four fifty for no, as well as he plays here, just a little bit. I saw him today. He doesn't have his best game at the moment. Uh, clearly, a lot can happen between Monday and Thursday. But I think if what we if, if you're wondering that man, maybe he kind of exhausted the fumes a little bit at the at the WGC match play a couple weeks ago in Austin. It's a pretty scintillating four fifty that I'm jumping on. You know. It's Phil Nicholson has very similar odds. Phil Nicholson, he obviously has got three, three wins here at this tournament, but another popular figure who really hasn't had the greatest of track records here in the last four or five years. Now, he's to miss the cut at plus 250. That's another one I really jump on. In fact, I'd probably jump on the Phil one before the Tiger one, but if you're looking for some value, I think Tiger and Phil being the big names that there are, their games quite, really aren't there at the moment. I, I think you, as much as it pains to bet against those two, I, I think you got to bet with your head on this one. So for for Tiger, I can't join you on that one. I, I it runs contrary to what I want to root for, and uh, Tiger in you know playing 
uh, the Masters on Saturday is 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 such a big part of my overall enjoyment. It's something that I've been looking forward to, you know, n- nearly uh, since the moment that he won uh, down at East Lake uh, at, at the the Tour Championship uh, at the end of uh, August, early September there. So I, I cannot join you on on no for Tiger making the cut, even though I I appreciate the value there plus four fifty. You're getting paid quite a bit um, to go ahead and speculate that way, and it's a nice contrarian play. Um, the Phil one feels a lot more valuable to me because he Phil is has has demonstrated already this season he is uh, nothing if not all or nothing. He is either finishing in the top five of tournaments or he's just flat out missing the cut. I mean, I I just I still can't get over. I gave out Phil Mickelson as a potential winner of the waste management uh, uh, open down in, in Phoenix. And he shot, you know, a normal kind of fill Thursday round, you know, in, in the mix, well on the correct side of the cut. And then he showed up Friday and shot, you know, shot to the moon. He shot 77 or 78, some crazy number and missed the cut. And then he came back the next week and won at Pebble. So we're in this phase with Phil. Well, we're, that consists of two parts and the, the first part, he doesn't give a fuck about anything, Joel Beal. I mean, it's a glorious moment to be a fan of Phil Mickelson because the 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 stories and 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 his attitude is just perfect. It's just a wonderful time to enjoy Phil Mickelson's golf career and 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 really his 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 social career, his his media presence career at an all time high. But who knows golf wise what the hell's going to show up? So. Getting a plus odds, better than two to one odds that he misses the cut, feels pretty good. I don't mind that. I'm with you, and you're right. This is really peak Phil being Phil. And uh, given that there was news last week that Tiger is starting his own series of matches with Discovery Channel going forward, one that Phil might not be part of, and the fact that Tiger might have cut Phil out of that, we could really see some Phil being Phil moments here this week. It's, I think we could be in for some interesting theater. Oh, I, I, I love that added uh, bonus there. Do we think that Phil and Tiger are going to do practice round together? I would be very, very surprised if, if that happened. I, I don't think the, I think the friendship has, has cooled, cooled tremendously in the past, the past two weeks from, from all accounts. Wow. Wow. Now, that's interesting because um, they're still, I believe, set up to do another version of their head-to-head competition, the so-called match that they uh, that the the sporting public was treated to the day after Thanksgiving in 2018. They're going to do another version of that coming up here in 2019. I think that's already locked in. But you're saying Tiger, you know, taking a spinoff and 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 setting up his own series of matches may have maybe rubbing Phil the wrong way. So we're not going to see Phil out there in his dress shirt at a practice round, rubbing shoulders with 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 Tiger necessarily. Put it this way, there's, there's going to be, both guys are scheduled to talk on Tuesday and there could be some interesting fireworks from one of those guys. I'll leave it at that. Wow. I love it. This is going to be, uh, uh, some, some exciting stuff. All right. Let's do, uh, one more prop that jumps off the page and everybody get on, get yourself over to golfdigest.com. Joel's props recommendations will be up. I personally will be consuming them avidly and thinking about how I want to allocate my capital. Uh, I, I like what we've done so far. We got, uh, as, t- as value plays, Tiger and Phil to miss the cut. We we love the value of Justin Rose inside the top 10. Let's do one more here. 
All right, this, this is the big one. This is, if you thought the Tiger one was a reach, this one's going off the map. New course record of 62 or lower. Yes, plus 1,400. Jordan Spieth last year had a shot at it going into 17. He then, unfortunately, his birdie putt left out, and then his drive on 18 clipped the tree finish with the 64. It's supposed to be really rainy, though, this week, House. And there's a very concerted effort that what we're going to do with the, the driving distance kind of issue going on in golf. People, some people want to roll, roll the ball back. Some people think there needs to be more constrictions on equipment. If you look at the way this course is set up and the way the weather is, the, the 63, 64 could be out there. And someone gets high, gets special. We could finally see someone break the 63 barrier here. So plus 1,400 just for the action, just for the thrill. I'm jumping all over that. And one guy to watch out, I think he might have a shot at that, would be Tommy Fleetwood. He's hitting his irons as good as he ever has. I know he's not the best iron putter, but I think that's kind of one of those misconceptions about Augusta National. It's just you still have to be just not a bad putter. It's making sure those two putts don't turn into three putts. And Fleetwood's really got to handle the short game of the late. I wouldn't be surprised if we see somebody like Fleetwood go for the record this week. Man, that is juicy. God, I love that. So I, I have... I like um, there. Are, there are two props um, in in that vein. I see one at can, will any player shoot sixty three or less? So sixty three. We we have sixty threes on this golf course occasionally. Did did anybody shoot sixty three last year? Speech just shot uh, no, sixty four. I, I know sixty four was the low. Yeah, was the low. Uh, and then so that one's available. I see it at at plus five fifty. And then the course record. You had it. I I see it at sixteen hundred here, sixteen to one odds. You have it at fourteen to one odds. So that's a great range. And this notion that now we we know that Augusta National installed throughout the premises the 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 most advanced uh, uh, drying equipment. You know that they they have the ability to dry out the greens in a matter uh, of hours or or less than that. Maybe it's less than an hour now. A subterranean. Uh, air uh system that that permits you know uh, the ability to really control the terrain above even with that you think that that the the persistence of the rain will create an opportunity for somebody to go genuinely pin seeking and i like your nominee tommy fleetwood another guy that i like in that vein who also has the length in case it's wet out there is tony fee now that's another guy that loves to get mm-hmm. hot and string together five or six birdies. And you know that on the backside, especially 13 and 15, those are routine two-shot holes for him uh, if he's able to hit a drive in the fairway. Um, so, you know, that's the, the boy, I like that one quite a bit. So I, I'm going to join you on that one. I'm going to do both. I'm going to do both the course record 62, and I'm also going to do 63 or less, uh, plus 550 for 63 or less, plus. 1400, 1500, 1600 on a new course record in 2019. All right. Well, you just heard Joel Beal and I running through the reasons that we think a course record is in jeopardy. I'm here to tell you about your own opportunity to threaten the course record at your joint. How about Callaway's new Apex 19 irons, the number one irons in golf? These Bad boys scored a perfect 20 out of 20 on the Golf Digest hot list. They're already on the Mount Rushmore of irons. That was a previous iteration of Apex. These Apex 19s. The body is forged from soft carbon steel. 
And the cup face, that's where the face wraps around the sole and top line to create more rebound. That extends to the eight iron. They've upscaled the look. Callaway has these beautifully shaped on the scoring irons. You're going to look down at them and feel very confident as you threaten the course record at your local golf institution. They're as beautiful to look at as they are to hit. Available in classic chrome or smooth smoke right now at callawaygolf.com. We will be looking out. Golfdigest.com, your props, recommendations, all of them will be set forth there. Thanks for coming on and joining us on Fairway Rolling. All right, my thanks to Joel Beal. Harry Gagnon and I are coming up next to give you our epic flash picks for the Masters. But first, a quick word from our pals at CBS Sports. Hey, golf fans, it is our favorite time of year. You know this. The Masters, a tradition unlike any other. And CBS Sports is where you can get direct streaming access on your phone or computer to live coverage all day for each round of the tournament. The coolest part is you choose between four different streams. So if you want to watch the featured groups of the day, go ahead and and and, and uh, click on that and track those fellas. You want to follow the field as they come through Amen Corner? You want to put yourself in a pimento G's frame of mind and watch Amen Corner? Go ahead and do that. You want to watch holes 15 and 16? Go do that. Or if you just want to just chick, sit, uh, you sit back and chill with a cool beverage and, and a little maybe an egg salad sandwich, watch the top golfers getting ready for their round on the practice range. You could do that too. That's one of the four streams available. We have been looking forward to this week since the last green jacket was awarded. So you really do not want to miss a second of the action. I am not going to miss a second of the action. The best part is this whole thing is 100% entirely free. No need to pay a subscription or have an expensive cable package to watch. Just download CBS Sports app on your phone or visit cbssports.com slash mastersfr today. Four, please. Now on the tee, Harry Gagnon. H Dog, how you feeling, buddy? What's up, House? It's Masters Week, buddy. I'm pumped. It is a very, very exciting time. We are happy to be alive. This is a mega fairway rolling podcast. We've given out a lot of ideas, a lot of angles. Justin Ray. And Joel Beal, we covered a lot of territory, Harry, but I know everybody listening to the pod is dying to hear who you and I have lined up here as as uh, the guys that are going to bring home the trophy. You and I are going to do our epic flash pick of the week. This is the big dog right here. We got Verno's pick on Monday. You and I are going to give ours out. This is the epic flash Pick of the week because Epic Flash has used artificial intelligence and machine learning to develop its innovative flash face technology. You and I both need some artificial intelligence and some machine learning to run some algorithms and some, uh, you know, some some 
number crunching, some digital, some ones and zeros across the board. The uh, uh, We have a handful of players here. Xander Shoffley, Francisco Molinari, Kevin Kisner, J.B. Holmes. They have all won on PGA Tour this year with the Epic Flash Sub-Zero driver. And the Epic Flash models continue to have more worldwide wins so far this year, Harry, than any other driver model. It's the number one in in driver usage across all major professional tours. And there have already been 10 worldwide Callaway driver wins by non-staffers. These are people not getting paid to play this driver. They're choosing to wow. play it based on performance. You and I have some performance in front of us. So let's talk about it. Let's get down to some brass tacks, my friend. Now, I know... You sent me a little note in advance. You have some players that you, you want to stay away from. Let's start there. Who are you running away from, Mr. H? You know, I'm, I'm running away from Jordan Spieth. I know history uh, is on his side at the, at the Masters where he's played well in the last three out of four years, I believe. But still, at 18-1, to 1, I feel that's terrible value considering he's dead last house, dead last in driving accuracy on tour. He's uh, down to 33rd in the world ranking. Five years ago, he was number one for 26 weeks in a row. He's at 33 now. He has zero top tens in 2019. His best finish is being tied for 24th. So bad for him. It's it's, it's everything. It's driving. He isn't putting. Look, hey, can you give me odds, House, that at some point, on hole number twelve, Spieth puts it in Rays Creek, like he did in, like he did twice in 2016, allowing you <laughs> to win with Willett. Can you give me the odds on that, buddy? I can't. I can't help you with that one. Now, I will tell you, I do not like uh, the official world golf ranking of Mister Spieth. That puts him on the outside looking in here. History does not look kind on players that are not inside the top thirty of the official world golf rankings. I believe this. Is, the statistic is something like 23 of the past 25 winners of the Masters have been inside the top 30. And you're right. His metrics across the board have been wildly inconsistent, as evidenced by the round he shot just this past Saturday at the Valero Texas Open, where he opened with a 42 on the front nine and then 31 lights out on the back. We don't know which one of of the five multiple personalities that Jordan Spieth seems to be inhabiting right now and dealing with is going to show up at Augusta. Now, everybody knows better than to bet against uh, Jordan Spieth, but you and I don't have to bet against him. We just can can walk away and not bet, uh, have him involved in any bet whatsoever. So I'm, well, I, I'm right. in agreement you with you. Know you. What else too? Well, you know what else about Jordan, too, is that you know there's a lot of opportunities at the Masters to get eagles, a lot of opportunities on 13, 15, good eagle holes. All season, all season, he has one eagle to show for all those double bogeys and triple bogeys he had. Like you just mentioned, his opening uh, nine on Saturday, awful. He was like, I believe, six six over through 10 at one point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of uh, trying to get those down, and he can't do it this year. It's an incredible statistic, and we already know that 13 and 15 are crucial holes. Those are the holes where the winners distinguish themselves. So, uh, all right, Harry, so we're going to stay away from Jordan. I have a stay away for you that I'm not sure you're going to agree with because it does run contrary 
to some very recent uh, trend lines and some excellent performance. But I cannot recommend to all of our faithful listeners having anything to do with Brooks Kepka. This this thing, are you aware of what he's done in terms of this diet that he uh, went on uh, starting in November and lasting all the way up until kind of early March, up until the Players' Championship? Have you heard anything about the, the details of this little. thing? So fill me in a little bit on exactly what he's got going on. So apparently he put himself in th- under the, the care and supervision of, of his, his uh, performance team a diet where he's eating 1,800 calories a day. Now that's 200 calories less than than the uh, you know the guidelines recommended by the uh, the Food and Drug Administration here in these great United States of America, and it it had the effect. He lost something like uh, between 20 between 18 and 25 pounds. He lost 10 to 12 yards uh, driving distance and. He apparently didn't have a cheeseburger for about three and a half to four months. Now, his performance at the Players' Championship was confounding. Who I expected that? him. Who, who does? Not you or me, buddy. And, and, yeah. and what, what did he need to go on the diet for? All he was doing was kicking he, ass and taking names. He, he won in China. Uh, you know, uh, in, in the fall, he's perfectly poised to just keep, keep rolling along. I have no idea. What the rationale was, I we, we needed an intrepid golf journalist that he trusts to get in there and, and get us some additional color and canter. But as long as he's still recovering from this diet, I don't want anything to do with Brooks, Brooks Kepka at any number. Look, I, you know what? You know what, uh, House? I, I, I sort of I can hear what you're saying about this. And, you know, granted, he's always around. Whenever it's major time, he's around. But it's going to be, he's going to get the full circle of treatment of, of media around him uh, come U.S. Open trying for the three-peat at Pebble Beach. So he'll, everything will be on him then. But still, uh, I can hear you at this. Maybe at this Masters, he, lay, he doesn't get it done. Well, come U.S. Open time, going for that three-peat. You know, uh, every, everyone will be around him uh, making, uh, making waves. Well, maybe it's the case that that's wh- where he has his sights set anyhow. And, and that would make right. sense, right? If his diet uh, finished up in in early March, then maybe he's already taken a pass at at, at the Masters. Maybe he already sort of dialed in the the notion. But the PGA Championship comes up at the end of May. Why would he wave off the PGA Championship? He's the defending champion. So hopefully, hopefully, uh, at least by uh, end of May, our third week of May, he's back in in, in working order and he's got his distance back and all the rest of it. I just can't can't condone that kind of approach for a guy that that is at peak performance by all indications, you know what I mean? Absolutely, sure. All right, well let's let's move on to some guys that that we like, and I, I have one guy. My sights are set. I'm I've honed in. I, I'm going to uh, give him out as my winner for the 2019 Masters. But I want you to go first, please. All right. Well, you know, uh, last week we went uh we went with uh, Molinari. We like him. Uh, uh, he's a buddy of yours. He he was twenty two to one. He was thirty to one. Now then he was twenty two to one last week. He's down to eighteen to one. I still like him to have a solid round. Same. I like Rom at eighteen to one. He finished fourth there last year. It's time, isn't it? Maybe isn't it time? I know I've been pumping Tiger, but at sixteen to one, I think he's going to hang around. I think he's going to be on that leaderboard come Sunday uh, late. But I'm going to take it eighteen to one. I'm going to take Justin Thomas to win it. I mean, he's been 
too quiet lately, hasn't he? I mean, he's ninth in FedEx points, but here's the thing. In 10 events, he's got five top 10s, and he has the highest ranking on FedEx points in terms of events played without winning a tournament. Now, Gary Woodland is fifth, but Gary Woodland's played 13 events. Justin Thomas has played 10 in the season so far. Doesn't have a win yet, but like I said, five top 10s, and he's been quiet. I, he hasn't even done anything, really. This is the time he's been waiting. He's been practicing. He's been focused, pointing to this time. Justin Thomas at 18 to 1. That's a huge number. I think you got to jump all over at that number with him. Harry, you're talking about 18 to 1. There is a, a prominent sports book that you and I both look for for odds. They have uh, Justin Thomas available at 20 to 1, along with our buddy uh, John Rahm. I like both those guys. I'm going to put a touch on, on both of them. 20 to 1 is better than 18 to 1, right? Hmm. Jump on that one. I'll send you some. I'll, I'll send you some money. You can jump on it for me. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so uh, is that is is JT? Is that your number one? Is that the the? That's my number one play. JT number one pick. JT. He's just he's been too quiet, and he's still playing very well this season. Doesn't have a win. Eighteen to one, twenty to one, whatever you get him at, take him. Well, I, I'm going to do something um, that's against my. Uh, Interested against my judgment. Now, I, I am going to give a spread out card. And in fact, I recommend everybody for both you, Harry, and I to track what we do. Or I'm going to put up my picks on Twitter. I'm going to give out a whole menu of selections on Twitter at House from DC tomorrow, late afternoon or so. And you're at Harry AAO, right? Yep. Yep. I'll do the same. You'll have yours up. I'm looking at a guy right now that has led all players in percentage of greens hit and regulation at the Masters since 2010 at 73%. He's the only player in that span to play 16 or more rounds and hit 70% of his greens or more. This gentleman has a top 25 finish every year since 2012. He has four top tens. He has two runner-ups. He's presently inside the top 30 on tour on two very important metrics. This is uh, stroke strokes gained approach, which is the second shot. It's a crucial metric. We talked about it with Justin Ray. He's also inside the top 30 on uh, strokes gained tee to green. That's getting the ball to the green. His ball striking the past 15 years, only three Winners have finished the season outside of the top 30 in that metric. He has shot under par at Augusta National in 29 of 52 rounds. This gentleman's name is Justin Rose. It is just too much of a track record, Harry, for me to ignore him, to walk away from him. He is a pick that is in vogue. He's available at 14 to 1. I don't like those odds. But I do like all of the statistics I just ran through. The metrics bear out Justin Rose as inside the top 10, inside the top five, putting on the green jacket. And I also like this narrative, this added narrative. His caddy has been out all season. He is returning just for this event. I think there's a little bit of, of cosmic, karmic golf gods looking down. His caddy had a serious health issue. And, and Justin was uh, using a different caddy all the way up. And then the caddy and, and Justin 
uh, made it a deliberate decision. The caddy could have come back for the WGC match play event in Austin, Texas, but they agreed together. Let's not push things. Let's just wait for Augusta National, an old familiar friend. And I like this idea. The guy's back from this. This uh, It was a very serious health issue. Fooch is his, is his nickname. Mark Fulcher is the caddy for Justin Rose. Justin Rose is my pick, my epic flash pick to win the 2019 Masters. Wow. That was, uh, those stats were fantastic in that ending, too. I mean, that, you got me taking them now, too. I'm all over it, too. <laughs> I got to jump on them somehow, some way. That's Even something. at 14 to 1. Now, look, sure. part of the reason... Um, well, look, look, we can find some matchups with them against another guy. We can, we can figure out some other stuff. Well, t- uh, how about this? Uh, Cousin Sal on Against All Odds, I-, I made a short appearance. We talked about some of these angles that we like. Apparently, right now, this this moment, we can play Justin Rose against Tiger Woods and get even odds at it. Now, I, I told uh, mm. Cousin Sal, and I'm within earshot because I'm taping this from home, Mrs. House might want to know where the mortgage payment went this month. Uh, <laughs> it-, it could be on Justin Rose in this head-to-head matchup. What do you think about we, that? We did against all odds today, and he's yeah, he's not he's down on Tiger. He doesn't uh, he's down on him, but uh, but still, that is that's pretty good odds to have it for Rose. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm also looking. I know you uh you look at uh, some top twenties as well once in a while, see yeah, where you can get some value there. Um, yes, I'm liking Adam Scott at plus one forty. He looks like a nice price. He's next winner there at Augusta. I think he won in thirteen. Uh, he hasn't been playing a ton, but still three top tens and only eight events. This year, and I also like Scott at plus two twenty five for best Australian house. Uh, obviously, Ooh. Day Leishman are great golfers, and Cameron Smith is a guy uh, house we mentioned who's on the rise, and he finished fifth at Augusta last year. Um, but only having to beat three guys, I'll take the guy who already owns a green jacket over those other three at plus two twenty five. Scott to be the best Australian as well. I like that a lot. I'm going to give out one top twenty to join you. And then let's let let's uh, let's bid adieu to to all of our uh, eagle enthusiasts out there. I'm giving out Corey Connors, the winner of this past weekend's Valero Texas Open down in San Antonio, Texas. His strokes gained approach statistics are off the chart, and this gentleman has positive golf momentum. He won the Monday qualifier to get himself into the field to, to compete yeah. down there in San Antonio. He, he had only one way to make it to the masters. And that was by way of winning the golf tournament. He pulled it off with a scintillating low round on Sunday that, that had him grabbing uh, the, the, the victory at 20 under at a, at a TPC golf course, notorious for low scores and, and, and for uh, difficult conditions. Corey Connors is available right now as a top 20 play at plus 600. That's six to one odds. That's worth half a unit. Don't you think, Harry? Oh, definitely. I mean, you can imagine the ro- the ride he's rolling right now, the roller coaster and emotions he's feeling. He's got to be pumped. I mean, it's, 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 it's ma- like I said, master's week after what he just pulled off. Uh, he, yeah, you, know, you got to don't once once he's out there though he's got to tone it down he's got to stay focused but still at six to one come on how can you not even how could you just not root for the guy all right so enough, we we you know we we we've got a couple good uh top twenty plays we gave out our winners you and I will both be on Twitter there will definitely be some live betting as the week uh, progresses here and we see some names show up on the leaderboard that we're not anticipating. 
or some performances that we we didn't anticipate. We will definitely be partaking in a lot, a little bit of live betting. Harry, as always, love you. Thanks for coming on, and we will uh, compare notes on how we did over the weekend. I know we'll be in touch uh, daily monitoring this thing. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Absolutely. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, House, and thanks for coming on AAO this week, this this week as well. Thank you. I wouldn't miss it if, if, if for 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 a cheeseburger. <laughs> hey, remember. By the way, uh, I will be at the PGA. I hope to see you there, buddy. I hope, I'll be in uh, Long Island. I hope to see you there. I, I I don't see how I can miss it. It's right up the right up the way here. I'll 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 get in my uh, my Lear. I'll have to borrow somebody's uh, private jet privileges and get up there. I'll be up. I'll be there Saturday and Sunday. We'll have a ball, buddy. We'll have a ball. Thanks for everything. That sounds good. Thanks, Harry. Take care, brother. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts. There you go. You have it. All of the wisdom, wit, and insight we can muster to help you build your winning lineups for the Masters this coming weekend. As mentioned, we will have a recap show ready for you at TheRinger.com. Fairway Rowan is the feed. Sunday night, as soon as the green jacket is on a new gentleman's shoulders, because I don't think Patrick Reed's going to win again, uh, we will have the show up for your uh, enjoyment and consumption Sunday night into Monday morning. If you want to listen to it on your commute, please feel free. In the meantime, keep uh, abreast of what is going on with our own master selections. You can follow my Twitter feed at House from DC. I will definitely be giving out my annual, uh, uh, you know, masters menu of of selections at Harry AAO. Harry Gagnon's picks will all be up there, and at Chris Vernon Show, Chris will be uh, Chris. Who's Chris? Verno will be giving out his his uh, up to the minute uh, selections, and you have to check into the Chris Vernon Show on Thursday. He has a way of giving updates during the show. You must listen to this to believe it. You will you will uh, come away enriched, I promise you. Two other things to keep your eyes out for and your ears attuned to, my Eagle enthusiasts. The Ringer Invitational has been conducted. It's the first ever with... Uh, None other than than the ringer's own Chris Ryan doing his very best Jim Nance impersonation. I'm in this thing. Bill Simmons is in it. And the legendary Southern rapper Scarface. We played uh, golf at the Los Feliz Par 3, the famous Par 3 from the movie Swingers. It's on YouTube. You can get there through the ringer.com or the ringer's YouTube channel. I have not watched it yet because I am embarrassed by my putting performance. I will at some point make peace with myself and and watch. But I encourage all of you to watch it. Scarface is actually good at golf. One other note, our good friends at Callaway have a podcast. It is the ship show. They are giving out picks. Uh, I believe at the end of the day tomorrow, or I know at the end of the day today, Wednesday, April the 10th, keep an eye out. They might be live broadcasting. I'm not sure what they're doing, but go on to callawaygolf.com. Go on the, to the community and look up the Ship Show podcast. They'll be doing their picks and giving them out there. Jeff Newbarth and AJ Bopel, the hosts, running through their own master's prognostication. That's it. We shall be back, my birdie buddies. Sunday night, there's going to be a green jacket. Hopefully, there's some green money in all of our options.
This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.